Since time immemorial, every culture and civilization has dealt with death, mourning and memory, in different and unique ways. After all, life and death are the indivisible binary force that rules our existence, which is why they have captured mankind's imagination, as we perpetually try to understand the limits of our own existence and place in the universe. Immersing ourselves in Mexico's historical relationship with death opens up fascinating horizons of understanding of how the intricate cultural and spiritual constructs around it are expressed through tangible and intangible manifestations. In essence, Mexico's Day of the Dead is the sum of collective grieving rituals through which communities summon the spirits of those who have died and welcome them with symbolic gifts to feed their souls and continue having a mystical relationship with them. You're listening to episode 48 of Paz de Chipotle. I'm your host, Rocío Carvajal, food history writer, cook and author, and on this podcast I explore the gastronomic traditions of Mexico and bring together the voices of cooks, authors and entrepreneurs who build cross-cultural bridges around the world, championing Mexican food. To find more information about the podcast, please go to pasdechipotle.com. You can subscribe, rate, and leave a review for the show using your favorite podcast app. Around the world, autumn brings the last of the harvest celebrations of the year. Vast fields gleam under the timid and pale light of the increasingly shorter and windy days. In the central high plains of Mexico, farmers harvest many of our beloved crops, including corn, beans, enormous green and orange calabazas or pumpkins, and of course, flowers. Millions of flowers that will lusciously decorate altars. Because autumn in Mexico announces one of the biggest and highly anticipated celebrations of the year, Día de Muertos. Perhaps more than any other Mexican tradition, Día de Muertos has many levels of complexity as it brings together, in a very harmonious way, ancient pre-Columbian traditions with Catholic rites that gave way to richer spiritual and religious expressions This fascinating and culturally significant tradition was inscribed in UNESCO's list of intangible cultural heritage of humanity back in 2008. This episode is an invitation to discover, understand and enjoy a tradition that helps us find deeper and meaningful ways to reconnect with our ancestors. One story at the time, Paz de Chipotle podcast, will change forever the way you think about Mexican food, cooking and eating. I hope you enjoy this episode. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, every culture and civilization that has ever existed 
has dealt with death in different and unique ways. Birth and death must have seemed like a true miracle, and no doubt they mystified the early human groups, and around these two unavoidable and powerful events, many myths, rites, and systems of beliefs were created. Studying a culture's relationship with death helps opening new horizons of understanding how we live life. For the ancient tribes of Mexico, the relationship they developed with death evolved from the humble mortuary rituals to become an essential part of their religious, social, and even political tribes. The Mexica, also called Aztec, developed a particularly militarized and bellicose culture in which death had many meanings to them. Apart from being an unavoidable consequence of being alive, it was also a means to an end when brought upon others. Ending a life, that is, killing someone, was a tool of political control, punishment and revenge. But it was also seen as an ultimate form of sacrifice and the beginning of a long spiritual journey from which they could sometimes return by means of reincarnation. From a surviving Mexica poem, we can have a glimpse of their understanding of death. We have only come to dream. We came to sleep. It is not true. It is not true. Where shall we go? We only came to be born. Our home is beyond. There, where the skinned are. Do we really live on earth? Not forever, only briefly. We can grasp from this that for the Mexica, physical life was a mere stage of existence, and the true essence of the soul morphed once it was free from its earthly form. So people who volunteered to be sacrificed believed that they would continue their eternal journey as companions of the sun. Along with the women who died during childbirth, they would live a joyous life in the Tlalocan, which was Tlaloc's paradise, who was the god of rain and the children who died were believed to become jewel-like fruits hanging from the sacred tree of life. Mexico has plenty of archaeological evidence that helps us better understand the specific death rites from the ancient cultures. Some of the oldest findings date from 6,000 before Christ from the valley of Tehuacán in Puebla. And perhaps it's no coincidence because it was precisely there where the agricultural revolution of the Neolithic took place, where corn was first domesticated. And what we have learned is that food was present at most burials, which means that ancient indigenous tribes attributed sacred and spiritual powers to specific foods, believing that they could even nourish the soul of the departed. I wonder what they will make of our modern relationship to food, and if there are similar conceptions in our contemporary societies. I mean, have you ever wondered how much do we value and honor the food that keeps us alive? Think, what kind of food would it be placed in a modern-day altar? Returning to the Mexica traditions, the afterlife for the rest of the population that died of natural causes and didn't have a glorious farewell, the afterlife wasn't an easy affair.
those souls were believed to have to carry a four-year-long path, sorting many dangers in the feared and sinister Mictlan, which was the underworld, ruled by the treacherous god Mictlantecuhtli, who was believed to have a taste for human flesh. This god was worshipped at many temples, but especially by the eagle warriors at the great city of Tenochtitlan in today's Mexico City. The eagle warriors were an elite group of knights known for their fearless and ruthless training and performance in battle. In this long journey, people could get lost and be trapped for eternity in the Mictlan, which is why they were often buried along with the Xolos Quintli, the only dog race native to Mexico. These black hairless dogs were valued for their loyalty and alleged powers to guide souls through the Mictlan. The celebrations dedicated to the dead lasted for two whole months, culminating in sacrifices that always involved the voluntary participation of people. You see, human sacrifice in ancient Mexico has always been a source of terrible tales and gruesome fascination, but for them it was just one of the highest honors they could aspire to, as it was their belief that offering their life and body to the gods will ensure a prosperous and peaceful life for their communities. At the arrival of Spanish conquistadors and the establishment of the colony, the native tribes were forced into the conversion of Catholicism and a systematic program to eradicate quote-unquote pagan or savage traditions was actively enforced. Many of the old rites and religious celebrations were not completely erased, but instead they formed a syncretism together with the Christian faith and it was during the colonial period that the Dia de Muertos we know and recognize today took shape. But something didn't quite fit with the ancient conceptions of the indigenous population. After all, they didn't really have a negative perception of death, because for them it wasn't a permanent stage, and after dying, their existence will simply take a different path. In other words, they really didn't fear death. They were not intimidated by it, and they simply didn't buy the idea of living in fear for something that not only was natural, but according to their own traditions, it was just a different form of existence. The two-month celebrations of the dead gave way to only six days, making them coincide with a Catholic calendar celebrating All Saints' Day, also called All Hallows' Day, on November the 1st, and All Souls' Day, or the Faithful Departed, on November the 2nd. The cultural assimilation of Spaniards and the rapid growth of a mixed race or mestizo population came hand in hand with a fascinating boom of artistic expressions, music, dances, carnivals, gastronomy, theater, illustration, and literature became a cultural catalyst channeling a highly complex and rich mix of worldviews in which death was often stripped of any gloomy connotation and was instead mocked 
ridiculed, and at the same time, popular folk art constantly flirted with the idea of taunting and daring death that was given the physical aspect of a playful skeleton. During the 18th century, the famous caricaturist and political satirist José Guadalupe Posada was responsible for creating the well-loved engraving of the Katrina. Katrina is a word used to depict an elegant woman, except in this case is a skeleton dressed in an outrageously flamboyant and colorful attire with a big hat bearing flowers and feathers. And you can find several images of the Katrina and many other references on this episode's blog post on my website at pasachipotle.com. A very famous literary form known as Calavera, which is a kind of rhyming poem, was created. These poems could be long or short and were always written in small and rhyming verses to flatter and make fun of friends. And they were often exchanged during the Day of the Dead. The poems are playful and often include descriptions of how a person constantly avoids death. These poems often have an uplifting ending, in which the subject always has a great time for eternity. Here is a musical piece called God Never Dies. This waltz was composed by the Oaxacan violin virtuoso and composer Macedonio Alcala Prieto as a symphonic piece, but I'll play for you a rare mariachi version by the famous actor and singer Pedro Infante. The lyrics explore the musician's own reflections on his own mortality, and the opening verse says, The sun dies in the hills with a pale dim light, because life in its incessant speed drives us to die. But I don't care knowing I will have the same end, because I find comfort in the fact that God never dies. Muere el sol en los montes con la luz que agoniza pues la vida en su prisa nos conduce a morir pero no importa saber que voy a tener el mismo final porque me queda el consuelo que Dios nunca morirá voy a dejar las cosas que amé la tierra ideal que me vio nacer pero sé que después La dicha y la paz que en Dios hallaré. Realidad 
la muere y que se conmueve del que busca su beatitud. Sé que una nueva luz habrá de alcanzar nuestra soledad y que todo aquel que llega a morir empieza a vivir una eternidad muere el sol en los montes con la luz que agoniza pues la vida en su prisa nos conduce a morir We will return with the show after this short break. Mexico's grand fiestas are a unique way to remember and joyously celebrate our history, cultural diversity and ancestral traditions. From the patriotic occasions like Independence Day and the anniversary of the Mexican Revolution to Christmas, Dia de la Candelaria and the world-famous Day of the Dead. These iconic celebrations bring together new and ancient traditions, from the spiritual to the joyous, always welcoming locals and strangers in rewarding and soulful celebrations of life. My ebook Mexican Fiestas explores the nation's festive calendar through the history behind many traditional recipes to prepare unique dishes like pozole, chiles en hogada, Day of the Dead bread, and many more. Go to pasachipotle.com forward slash publications to get your copy of Mexican Fiestas Go to pazachipotle.com forward slash publications and get ready to start the making of your own family traditions. The specific rituals and altars for the Day of the Dead take many different forms and have variations according to every region in Mexico, but certain commonalities are shared across the nation. Let me walk you through the symbolism of a Mexican Day of the Dead altar. The altar itself represents a portal that connects the world of the living with the world of the dead. These altars can be built and dressed at home, but in some places they build them at the cemetery, using the tomb of one or several of the deceased family members as a platform. There are literally dozens of variations of altars that go from the very humble to the highly sophisticated that resemble a true architectural piece consisting of different levels on which very distinctive elements are often present. In some communities, like the Mayan town of Pamuch, they dig out the remains of their loved ones. They clean and groom the bones so they can spend a couple of days in the company of all their family. The burning of incense and copal, along with the presence of candles and water, are aimed to guide the souls of the departed to come back home and to purify them and quench their thirst after their long journey. 
Often, photographs and sugar skulls with the name of the deceased are placed in the altar. And some communities believe that the souls aren't able to recognize their own photography, so they place mirrors to allow them to see their reflection. As you can see, the incorporation of very modern objects, such as photographs, have quickly become re-signified as sacred objects and have found a very specific ritualistic purpose in the altars. And now I want to play for you a very special piece. It's a folk song called La Llorona, the crying woman, and tells the story of a man who is in love with the spectral presence of the ghost of a woman and grieves for the fact that they can't be together. This piece is interpreted by the great folk singer Susana Harp and the Symphony Orchestra of Oaxaca. Chorona, chorona, tú eres mi sugar. 
mí, llorona, llorona, tú eres mi yunca. Me quitarán de quererte, ay, llorona, pero de olvidarte nunca. Me quitarán de quererte, ay, llorona, pero de olvidarte nunca. Growing up, I remember how very diligently my paternal grandmother would prepare a full breakfast, lunch and dinner to feed the souls of her parents. We would place the traditional bread from central Mexico called hojaldras, which is a type of brioche-like pastry shaped in the form of a pile of bones and topped with either sugar or sesame seeds. Other special pastries were placed too, exclusively for the enjoyment of these spirits. Along with that, special treats such as their favorite drinks, treats and even cigarettes were placed at the altar, along with special significant objects that belonged to the visiting souls. Another important element that comes straight from the ancient traditions is the presence of flowers, like Gisophilia muralis, or cloud, as it is called in Mexico, a tiny white flower that you might know by the name of baby's breath. 
Velvet Flower, or Flor de Terciopelo, is a very unusual-looking inflorescence, with thick petals covered in what feels and looks like tiny magenta feathers that give the impression of velvet. But without a doubt, it is Sempasuchitl, which you might know as marigold, the flower that not only dresses the altars with its beautiful and distinctive orange color, but also perfumes the whole season. On an interesting cultural note, this flower is neither African nor Indian, but native to central Mexico, that was eventually exported during the Colombian exchange. So while in India this flower is associated to weddings, in Mexico anyone knows, just by looking or smelling it, that the day of the dead season is coming, and soon immense fields, markets and busy street corners will be full with Sempasuchitl, announcing the long-awaited celebration. Some communities make marigold bunting to decorate the altars, while others simply make floral arrangements. But in most towns in central Mexico, we use the petals of Sempasuchitl to make carpets that start outside the front door of our homes that lead all the way to the altar. In many regions, Themed cut-out paper, or papel picado, is also present as part of the decorations, and the designs can be incredibly complex and yet very delicate, an almost ephemeral form of art, as the tissue paper that is used to make them never survives beyond a few days after being hanged. It is believed that at 2 p.m. on November the 1st, the spirits arrived in their former homes, where their families are waiting for them. They are welcomed with the distinctive aroma of burning incense and prayers, and they are invited to eat from the altar. All over Mexico, people travel to visit and experience these traditions. Families very generously welcome strangers at their home, offering them food, sometimes hot chocolate or bread, or just a comfortable chair to sit and be with them while they mourn for their ancestors. It is hard not to feel the strong devotion and care put into the making of these traditions. And even if you have never met these families before, it is indeed a very special and intimate way to connect and share this commonality of our own mortality that moves Mexicans to welcome the invisible presence of the souls of their family members. On November the 2nd, families usually spend some time at the cemeteries cleaning and dressing the tombs, burning incense and lighting candles. It is not unusual to see mariachi bands singing as mourners share anecdotes of happy times they had with their deceased friends or family members. Typically, on November the 3rd, once the celebrations have concluded, the altars are dismantled and the friends and family are invited to join in for a dinner consisting on hot chocolate and pastries that have been taken off the altar. This act brings closure to the many emotions that were relieved on the past days and helps create bonds over the traditions and the notion of togetherness. In recent decades, the rapid incorporation of elements from other cultures and even ways of celebrating Dia de Muertos has created new forms of cultural expressions. Many children dress up and go trick-or-treating 
dressed as Catrinas, Frida Kahlo, and also wearing many other Mexican traditional costumes. You might remember some scenes of the James Bond film Spectre portraying a large Day of the Dead carnival. The truth is that there is no such tradition, and never before in the history of Mexico a Day of the Dead carnival had taken place. However, the Mexican public reacted so well to this idea that from that year onwards, Dia de Muertos in Mexico City now has its own carnival. On a final note, I want to reflect on the fact that traditions can be incredibly flexible and without falling into the trap of cultural relativism that aims to maintain an expression untouched and unchanged, we must understand that life and culture are the result of a constant flow of ideas, exchange and transformation. Without a doubt, we can say that Dia de Muertos remains a cultural pillar of Mexico, and we live it very passionately across all ethnic groups, every city and community, because it speaks to the very core of our essence as a mestizo nation. Dia de Muertos is a tradition that indeed is very much alive. Thank you for listening. This episode was written and produced by me, Rocío Carvajal. The production of Paz de Chipotle is something I greatly enjoy, and I know you do too, because I read all the comments, emails, and messages you sent me. This is a podcast that is free for anyone to listen everywhere in the world. There are many ways in which you can support this show by leaving a review, recommending the podcast to a friend, or purchasing my ebooks and be part of this delicious story. Find all the links that I mentioned today on this episode's notes. Well, that's it for me, my friends. Feliz Dia de Muertos to everyone. Until the next time.